Hey everybody, welcome to Investing in Cannabis. I'm your host, Brandon David. Very different type show for you this week. We have Pamela Johnston, formerly of Electrum Partners, a large consulting firm in the cannabis industry. Uh, Pamela was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer back in June, and then shortly thereafter was fired. Uh, She claims that Electrum fired her specifically for contracting that cancer and has since filed a lawsuit claiming wrongful termination. Uh, Keep in mind that this is just Pamela's side of the story, and Electrum has made no statement about the case yet. Uh, It is a heart-wrenching tale, though, and we thought that it was important to bring it to you and let you decide for yourself what happened. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Well, Pamela, thanks so much uh, for being with us. I know it's a a difficult time for you, and I'm honored that you came on to share your story and, and share it with us, but welcome. Thanks for being here. You bet. You guys are my friends, and thanks for being there for me. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, first and foremost, um, just how's your health? Tell us a, a little bit about how you're doing these days. Sure. So for people who don't know, um, I have been diagnosed with stage 4 metastatic breast cancer that has spread to my bones and throughout my lymphatic system. The majority of the people, 74%, they um, die within the first five years. I have a tumor that came out through the skin, like it pushed through the skin barrier like a volcano. So it became like an open wound that you had to manage, and it's disgusting. Like imagine a post-surgical-like wound. It's gross. And I've been sterilizing um, homemade CBD oil. Um, that I'll make myself with crystallite and you know coconut oil, and I'll sterilize it, you know, autoclave it at the right temperature. I've been rubbing it all over the open wound, um, you know, sterilizing it because if I got bacteria, I could die. And it totally closed up. It's oh wow! Uh, yeah, so I'm now able to take a bath. I can go in the ocean. Um, I want to go back just a little bit. Um, how long ago were you diagnosed? Now, when when did you find out? So early in the month of June was when I was diagnosed, but at first they thought it was stage three. So it wasn't until the end of June um, that we knew that the diagnosis was stage four, that it had spread through my lymphatic system and to my bones. And what does that feel like? Can you take me back to that moment? I mean, kind of what goes through your head when you find out that it's as dire as it is? At the moment of finding out, I was really numb. Um, completely numb. My doctor asked me if I, I was alone and my doctor asked me if I had a support system and I said, well, I live alone. Like I, I didn't understand um, kind of what he meant. And when I think back about it now, oh my God, like I need a support system and no support system, you know, is enough for somebody going through what I'm going through. So I asked my friends to be here. They stay over um, a lot of nights. Um, I'm in my place for another couple of weeks and I have to move um, because I can't keep my apartment without my job because I can't pay for it. Um, But I am scared. I'm scared most of the time. And so I make my friends stay over so that I don't cry through the night. Um, I do sleep. Sometimes I do have a lot of good days and I do have some really, really bad and really dark, dark, dark days. And it feels 
awful. It feels really scary. And I think the harder thing isn't the physical or the fear of the physical, um, it's the emotional. And that so many people are actually mm, distancing themselves from me. So people who, even in our industry, who would hug me hello, like they don't text me to ask me how I am and they don't even like any of my fun photos. So there's this phenomena going on. Um, I call it Cannabis Anonymous and it feels hurtful um, because in the past I would go to an event where I'd be with my company or maybe I'd be a sponsor and people would hug me and thank me and ask me about my life and say nice things and those very same people haven't reached out to me at all. Um, I mean, why, I have a lot of- Why do you think that is? Why, why do you think people have been uh, largely silent about uh, your story and, and what's happened here? Maybe it's fear. It's possible that people are just so afraid of cancer and, and death. And um, I'm also of the belief that people want to put their heads down and you know, if it doesn't affect them, it doesn't affect them. So take me back a little bit to, um, so you find out in June, and I'm sure it wasn't the first thing you thought, but at some point you said, well, I better tell Electrum and, and my employer. Uh, how long did you wait? And then you, how did you go about doing that? How, how did that? Uh, sure. How did um, I had regular contact with my employer. And so... I would say that they got information as I got information. So pretty close to real time, day of. So the day I out, the it. day I found out it was stage three, my employer knew. The day I found out it was stage four, my employer knew. And and what was the initial response? Um, I felt really supported. I thought that I was lucky to be in the cannabis industry and that I was lucky to be with my team and they all wanted to be on team Pammy. They all sent me emails um, saying, yes, we're on team Pammy. Notice my hat, team Pammy. So everybody in the company reached out and said, I'm so sorry, we'll be there for you. And no mention of any change of employment or change of arrangement or, or anything like that, correct? Interesting. And as I, you also had said uh, previously that um, a part of your employment was uh, Electrum paying for your apartment as sort of a live work situation, correct? So I'm almost, uh, cor almost correct. Okay. So I, I pay for my apartment and Electrum partners in March of 2017 guaranteed my apartment for two years. So that leads me to believe that in March of this year, when Electrum Partners guaranteed my New York apartment for two years, that I would be working at Electrum Partners for a minimum of two years. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. And then at what point uh, do they reach back out? You know, how do you find out that you're, you're no longer going to be working there? Well, first I stopped getting paid. And then I started to ask what was going on, like, where's my checks and what's happening? And um, it was getting really upsetting because here I am thinking I I'm going to die. 
like could actually die tomorrow or next month or next year. We don't, we don't know. None of us is God. We, we hope I make it. And um, so I was pretty upset to not be getting paid and I was still working. I was actually um, upselling. So I, I did an extra project. I, I made more money um, for Electrum Partners um, than I um, had had in my responsibility mm -hmm. right after diagnosis. So I actually did extra work that got them extra billings. And after not getting paid and after me asking about it on a Saturday in July, um, I received an email from an attorney in Nevada um, representing Electrum Partners uh, terminating me. So I got terminated on a Saturday in an email and the email um, letter or the, the text of the letter instructed me to not contact um, Mr. Bosker. So mm. those were my instructions and that's how I got fired. And no other further explanation in there. I mean, it really it was that short. Um, there was no explanation. Um, but subsequent to that, there was an explanation. Okay. Oh, you want to hear it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's good. So, um, Electrum Partners, after I had been terminated conducted an audit on expenses that I had submitted while I was working there. And according to company protocol for expense submission and approval, all of my expenses got submitted. They were approved and they were paid. Um, and so Electrum Partners decided to conduct an audit on the expenses that were already approved and paid going back in time. So they went back in time and decided that they did not want to um, approve the approved paid expenses. So they unapproved them and they labeled it malicious overbilling. So that is... So they said that you were misusing uh, expense reports in, in so many words. Is that? Got it. Okay. Um, but you do not feel like that was the way, uh, the reason you were terminated. And you've since filed a lawsuit in New York. Um, why do you think uh, you were terminated? I think it's obvious and since I've been terminated, not one um, person who works at Electrum Partners um, has reached out to me to see how I am or anything. Um, so I'm quite confident that I was terminated for my cancer. And I've also had clients who call me, um, having spoken to my former employer, telling me that my former employer doesn't give a hoot about me, my life, or my health. And so my lawyer um, is of the belief that they want me to die. Um, I'm having a hard time just living day to day thinking I'm gonna die. And so imagine how it would feel believing that there are people that you know 
that actually want your death accelerated. That's how I feel. And so scary, I, yeah. I cry a lot. I want to go back. I want to ask a little bit more about the lawsuit here. Um, it's also mentioned some sexual, sexual misconduct uh, within the company and that you had uh, reported this directly to Leslie several times. In uh, your words, no, nothing was done about it. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And well, what as, the a, environment sure. as, as a woman in the workplace, we all want a comfortable, safe workplace that doesn't um, make us feel uncomfortable. And I was uncomfortable and I knew what was going on. And, you know, I saw something and I said something. That's what happened. I, I said what I saw and I spoke to HR as well. And I'm not aware of anything that was done. Um, and I love a lot of the, the team. And so I, I don't want to, you know, make this about any specific incident other than I was very uncomfortable. And as an experienced professional, I did what I was supposed to do. And I feel like um, I'm being retaliated against because of it. And so I, I guess help me connect the pieces here, because um, I think it's hard for a lot of people um, who know Leslie or have done work with with Electrum. Um, are they just ignoring you? Did they fire you because they're bad people or, you know, why would someone treat someone like this? Why, why, why is this happening? Well, I would turn it back to you and the audience and ask it to me, it's unconscionable. So why, why would anybody be treated this way? I, I wish I had the answer. Yeah, I, I was hoping maybe you had a little more insight into, but it sounds like you're uh, about as in the dark as everybody else. Um, uh, I, I will say that um, the majority of the Electrum Partners clients, they, they're so good. They call me all the time. Every mm -hmm. single client that mm -hmm. I worked with is checking on me all the time. So that's Maramed, that's Solus Tech, that's Social Media Unicorn, there's other companies, Canacorp, and then a lot of my cannabis industry friends and investors. So leadership, um, it's kind of obvious to me that the leadership of the industry is not interested in our dispute and they're interested in my health and well-being. What do you hope to, to get out of it? You know, what are you like you want like realistic thinking or fantasy wishful thinking? Uh, both. Okay. Fantasy wishful thinking is Bosker going to therapy, realizing he did a terrible thing, realizing that um, people won't want to do business with him because of the type of person he showed to the public that he could be and that he would have a complete regret, remorse, and um, apologize to me publicly and profusely and pay a settlement and hire me for their crisis work in the future <laughs> for a okay. lot of freaking money. Okay. <laughs> so that's in, the fan that's in the fantasy and that he would um, 
take care of my daughter, um, spend on research and raise money specifically from the cannabis community for the research for the cancers that can't currently be cured with cannabis. Um, that would be, I think, a realistic, um, like on the realistic, I'd like a settlement that is reasonable for someone in my position. And I would like, uh, realistically for them to do the right thing going forward for, um, the patient community. So I'd like for them to focus some of their philanthropy on patients, not just on cannabis advocacy. That, that I think is realistic. To everybody out there, if I'm the only one speaking up, then yeah, I, I look like a tree standing alone in the forest. But if I'm not, and others are have the courage to step up, then we can enact change. But look at what happened to me. Is that encouraging for other women to stand up? It's why the Me Too campaign is so successful because women didn't want to report it because we don't want the stigmas and the problems that come from reporting it. And I'm feeling like we're seeing a little bit of a, you know, Harvey Weinstein moment in the cannabis industry where we got a lot of people willing to look the other way. And we have righteous advocates in this industry who wouldn't look the other way for this plant, but they certainly will look the other way for human rights violations. Wow. Very, very, very interesting stuff. Uh, basically that the cannabis opportunity is so large. Um, no one wants to jeopardize that, even if that means uh, immoral dealings or looking the other way when it terms to when it comes to injustices like this. Uh, it's honestly shocking to me, Pamela. And, uh, you know, I, I just wonder why uh, we really were one of very few media outlets uh, to reach out and want to do an interview with you. Uh, it seems like extremely important stuff and, and the kind of stuff that um, makes news normally. So. It, it does. And I have been bombarded by mass media. Um, you might have seen Forbes, Inc. Magazine, the New York Post. Um, I turned down um, live television. I've been contacted by two networks. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you that that stands out as counterintuitive that cannabis media who would report on titans of industry in, in any other industry um if something like this were to happen there wouldn't be a trade publication to miss it so i say grab your popcorn sit back let's watch well fair enough i think that's uh, as good a place to wrap it up as any uh pamela thank you so much for sharing your story i know it's a really challenging time for you um but i think it's really important um that you're you're going out there and and reaching out and and telling people what's happening to you um so hopefully it doesn't happen again to others uh, i wish you the best with your health and uh, I, it's awesome to see how high your spirits are um, regardless. So great to see that sort of a triumph of the, of the human spirit. Um, I know you have a GoFundMe out there that some of your friends have put out. What's the, uh, what's the link to that GoFundMe? It's GoFundMe.com slash Team Pammy. Got it. And Team Pammy is basically just everyone rallying around you and sort of uh, just supporting you, correct? Absolutely. We have Team Pammy shirts and hats and the hashtag. And this is my friends came up with it. And I love them. And I love all of those who have 
reached out to me. And even if it was just a small text or a smiley face, I love you for it. I really do. Thank you. Well, Pamela, I love you for coming on. Thanks for for doing it again. And uh, we all wish you the best. Um, Thanks. 